Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 102, welcome back. Boy, we got a lot of busy things to talk about. First off, this weekend, uh, Liga Week 19. We got Tassa, the Liga Final Four, midweek on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then we've got the final next Saturday. And then uh, round 20, week 20 of the Liga B-Win will take place next week. On, and uh, keep this in mind, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So uh, we've got essentially two weeks of uh, Liga. We've got a domestic cup competition all coming up. And I'm going to be talking about that, previewing the second division, uh, my picks. And then a lot to talk about as well in the second half of this episode with my Fast and Furious section. Uh, again, as always, talking about what happened in the past week and what I think will happen in the upcoming week. But before I get started with the upcoming schedule more in detail, um, two things that I could have saved for my Fast and Furious section, but I think I want to uh, mention it really up front because I think they're two very big topics. So this past week, last weekend, we saw uh, Carlos Carvajal of Braga be suspended because of some words, and he was sent off, and he has been suspended one match, so he's not going to be available for uh, the Braga sporting match uh, this weekend, which is the best, biggest match, I think. No one denies it this weekend in the Liga B-Win. And then we also saw someone else quickly suspended, and that was Nuno Santos, for an incident, uh, well, I, I guess uh, something him and the Vizela fans had where he made some expressions to them, I'll just say that, and he also earned a one-match uh, suspension. As I'm recording this, uh, Sporting has yet to appeal it, but there are reports saying that they uh, will appeal. But the point of bringing up Carlos Carvial being sent off last weekend, getting a one-match suspension, Nuno Santos, what happened last weekend, getting a one-match uh, suspension is, man, was that fast, because... If you listen to this uh, podcast, and, and you obviously, if you've been following Portuguese uh, you know, football, soccer for the many years, you know sometimes justice is slow. And whether or not you agree or not, they should have been suspended. The point is, is man, this was fast. Um, if you remember JJ and Conceição, when JJ was still managing that uh, first Clásico uh, right before uh, Christmas, um, they were uh, both uh, suspended. And um, as a result, um, you know, they basically uh, couldn't uh, manage um, because of things that they said last season. So all of a sudden, uh, this week, we saw some fast. Now, I did ask some people in Portugal, maybe it's procedural. You know, why, why is it that six months later, JJ and Conceição were suspended? Um, Conceição, by the way, has been suspended again because... Another thing he was suspended for, he appealed and he uh, won, but now he's lost another appeal and now he's got to serve, and I believe it's going to also take place this weekend. But point is, is we saw some quick disciplinary action this week, and I asked some people about it. Um, they really, you know, is what's the difference between why this week was fast and many times we feel like justice is very slow and they basically didn't have an answer either. But uh, is this a good thing? The fact that we will be no different than what we like to think are the best leagues in the world, they usually resolve this immediately. Um, you certainly don't see this in the EPL. You, you certainly don't see this 
uh, in Major League Soccer uh, in terms of North America. I mean, things get taken care of pretty quickly, um, but not six months later. So I, I felt I wanted to mention that because that was something that stood out for me when I saw how quickly the disciplinary uh, came down. And again, I don't know what the differences are, but it did happen uh, this uh, week. Um, so I think that's a very big thing. And then the other thing is, is again, another thing that I've talked about in past episodes, um, and that is, uh, first off, great uh, Carabao Cup uh, match by Diego Jota scoring a brace as uh, Liverpool uh, defeated uh, Arsenal, my Arsenal, 2-0 uh, to advance to the Carabao Cup final, which is the English league version of their Tasa the Liga. But uh, again, another Portuguese player excelling abroad. Uh, all the players in the EPL are just fantastic. Jota getting uh, a lot of attention and obviously well-deserved. But again, our national team players excelling. And you just hope when March comes. And by the way, we're about two months away from playing Turkey. We're not that far away. Um, so hopefully whatever momentum these players had. I had someone joke around with me. I, I thought it was pretty dumb to joke, but you know what? Who knows? Um, you know, how about how about Portugal maybe just play their games in England? Uh, maybe the players will, you know, they were joking that maybe the players will play better. Uh, you know, obviously, that's not going to happen. But the bottom line is, is uh, the Silasone players, uh, we saw Bruno Fernandes the other day have a good match. Um, you know, again, they just continue to do uh, very well abroad. Gincalo Guedes had a, a goal the other day for Valencia. I believe Andre Silva had a goal last week. So uh, our players continue to be what they do. Um, you know, must see to see the Portuguese national team play all the time. And uh, But whenever we do lately, it just seems like we're disappointed more often than not. So I just had to pass that along and get that off my chest because some people criticize me for being too tough. But at the end of the day, if the way these guys play abroad, if they can't bring it to Portugal, then we're in trouble. So I just felt I had to get that out of the way. But anyway, let's talk about week 19 this weekend. Uh, obviously, again, action begins uh, pretty much on Friday, obviously, with the Tas of the Liga on Tuesday. You've got Aroca hosting Benfica, and you've got Passos de Freira. Uh, hosting uh, Boa Vista. Benfica Boa Vista, of course, will be playing on Tuesday in the Tasa of the Liga in Leiria. So we pretty much get a uh, league action right away on Friday. Saturday, we have three matches. Obviously, the match that sticks out uh, this match, day 19, is uh, Sporting Braga. You've got a Tundela, Vizela. Uh, another great match, I think, because uh, Moreirense is trying to show some life with Ricardo Sapinto. Uh, Santa Clara has a new manager, and they've, they've had a pretty decent month. Uh, they'll be playing as well on Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll have uh, four matches. Uh, Maritimo, uh, really very impressive Maritimo. <clears throat> they uh, won at Braga last week on a uh, late goal. Um, and they have just been, you know, again, with the exception of their bad, ugly result when they lost in the Luge to Benfica, this is a team under Vasco Siabra that has been playing very, very well. They'll be playing uh, B-Sad, which again continues to languish at the bottom. Uh, B-Sad, by the way, has a new manager that they announced. He was on the bench last week when they played Porto, and he's a former Petit assistant. Of course, Petit, the former manager of B-Sad, now you know, he, le he left, and now he's the new he's been managing the last few weeks with Boa Vista, and will lead Boa Vista in the Tasa of the Liga next week. 34-year-old uh, manager named Frank Lim, F-R-A-N-C-L-I-M, Carvalho. And he has been the new manager that will be hired. I think he's something like the 12th managerial change 
this season in the uh, Liga B win. So he'll be leading uh, Sant, uh, excuse me, B-side in that match against uh, Maritimo. Uh, Guimarães against Estoril. Uh, Guimarães always wants to be a top five, top four team, but right now they're kind of sort of toward the middle. Um, eighth place, but it feels like they're more of in the middle. Uh, Estoril, again, not the, you know, not having a great month. Uh, they are uh, basically in sixth place, but they are seven points off of fourth place Braga, whereas I think a few weeks ago they were only out by like one or two points. And again, ever since their manager was linked with uh, a job in Turkey, it just hasn't really been the same Estoril team, and, and they were also eliminated from the Taça de Portugal. Uh, fifth place, Gil Vicente. Uh, will be playing on Sunday against Portimonense. That's a very good match. Portimonense, seventh place, uh, making it um, just having a great season with manager Paulo Sergio. Uh, I remember Paulo Sergio when he managed Passos de Ferreira. I remember uh, when he managed the Sporting and he brought Sporting to the U.S. to play at the Gotham Cup where they played Everton and Man City at uh, Red Bull Arena. So I remember that uh, very, very well. But Gil Vicente, Portimonense, it's a very good match between the fifth and uh, seventh uh, place uh, team. And, uh, and then it'll wrap up uh, with uh, Porto uh, basically taking on Familia Cone. Uh, Porto, of course, again last week fell behind early, 1-0, came back to win. I think they've had five comeback wins this season in the Liga. And, of course, right now they are in first place with uh, 50 points. They have not lost in their last 46 Liga matches, which is kind of hard to believe that a team like that would go that long uh, without losing a Liga match. And, of course, last year they didn't win the Liga title. But ever since uh, late October, when they loved, I remember that match, I think it was something like 3-2 to two to Passos de Ferreira away, uh, they have been uh, just a solid team, and, and I don't really uh, foresee that changing uh, this weekend uh, when I come up with uh, my picks. So obviously the big match is on uh, Saturday with Sporting Braga. Braga has lost something like six in a row. The Sporting, uh, they lost to them this year in the Super Cup. They lost to Sporting in match day two, week two of the Liga B win season. Uh, they won't have uh, as a Carvajal unless uh, Braga decides to appeal uh, but Braga right now is just a terribly underachieving team. They're not a terrible team. Maybe that wasn't the right word, but they are a team right now that is just very underachieving. I mean, as I said last week, and, and I don't know if it makes sense, you know, Braga, fourth place. Um, they're not going to ever get that bad where they're going to be, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 15th. But they're never that good to stick to the top three, and it's been a few years. Um, we all remember the year when Domingos led him to second place in the Liga. We know that, uh, was it two, three years ago, they finished third. But again, even though uh, friend, uh, President Salvador of Braga said the other day that, uh, you know, they are in their best moment of their history, and they really are when you take into account what they've done the last 10 to 11 years. Uh, I think I remember the, the year when Braga was in the second division. That's how far back my uh, memory goes. But the point is, is uh, Braga just has not been a very strong team. They've been terribly inconsistent when you consider they've got some pretty good talent. Um, so they've been a, a bit of a, um, I think. And certainly every time I pick them, I always seem to lose my picks with them. So that's even more reason for me to say that they are very disappointed. Um, quick report, by the way, on the injury report. Uh, Benfica had really no major injuries looking at their report. Uh, Verissimo and Pino are out with serious injuries. 
Porto, uh, Marcano is uh, been out. Pep won't be available this weekend. Manafa uh, continues to recover from his surgery. Zadu is away with uh, Nigeria at Cannes. Uh, João Mario is expected uh, to return uh, this weekend. Um, and of course, Porto is going to be losing uh, some of their uh, players like Diaz, uh, Uribe, uh, and Tereme uh, after this weekend because they're going on national uh, team uh, duty. Uh, looking as well, Braga's got a lot of players that uh, are doubtful for this weekend. Uh, Castro, uh, Carmo, he's been out for a while. Francisco Mora, he's got COVID. Um, Lucas Minero has a knee injury. Um, Jan Koto was another player that came down with COVID-19. So Braga is really coming in very shorthanded uh, this weekend, going to Alvalade. Uh, sporting the big names, uh, really the big one is uh, Pedro Porro. He uh, continues to be out. Um, he's not expected to be available this weekend. Nuno Santos is suspended unless sporting appeals. And then, of course, the big word is, is will Giovanni Cabral be on the match day squad list uh, this weekend? Uh, he is uh, back to uh, full training. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. Quaresima uh, is doubtful with uh, Vitoria Guimarães. Uh, looking as well, um, I see um, Familia Kong, uh, Heriberto is injured, so we don't know if he's going to be uh, playing uh, this weekend. And uh, Bilanense Saad has a bunch of injuries, uh, including Rafael Camacho, who has a uh, muscular injury. Uh, and Abel Camera won't be available this weekend because he was sent off last weekend. So that's your pretty much your preview for this weekend. Again, three days of, of soccer football starting on uh, Friday. Uh, and then pretty much then we move on to the Winter Championship in Portugal. I know a lot of people that don't like this competition. I know a lot of Porto people that don't like this competition. And I don't say that to be sarcastic because I just know a lot of people that Porto fans that don't like the competition. But a uh, very big competition, of course, Tuesday, Benfica, Boa Vista. Wednesday, Sporting Santa Clara. They'll both be playing in Lady. Uh, uh, obviously, this could be a very historic tournament. Neither Boa Vista or Santa Clara has ever won. This competition, and I don't think Boavista has ever made it or Santa Clara has made it to the Final Four. And what's dangerous sometimes about, you know, yeah, okay, sporting is sporting. And, you know, obviously Benfica has more talent than Boavista. But as I've said many times, when you go to a cup competition, you know, the smaller clubs just tend to play like a big club. And, you know, if, this, if you get into the match in the 70th or 80th minute and you're tied or you've only got a one-goal lead, that's just not very safe. I mean, anything could happen. Um, but by the way, let me show you very quickly. I remember when the Tasa Liga competition started in 2008. It was won the very first year by Vitoria Setubal. Then in 2009, Benfica, 2010, Benfica, 2011, Benfica, 2012, Benfica. Then Braga broke Benfica's four-year streak in 2013. They won. I believe that was Zepa Zedo was the manager that year. Then Benfica won the next three in uh, 14, 15, and 16. And then More Dance uh, won it in 2017. And uh, I remember that as well. They played uh, Braga. That was a, uh, a match that was played in Algarve. Um, in uh, Faru, that was a match also broadcast at the time by uh, RTP International. And it was a goal, I'm probably not saying his name right, it was actually a penalty kick in the second minute, uh, 45th plus second minute uh, penalty kick that Moira Nance managed to uh, hold on. And I was looking at the box score that you had players like Shiku, who was on loan at that time, um, 
Uh, we had, um, let me see, I'm going to look for it. Here we go. We had uh, Chico Sharald, who was on loan that time for Moray Dance. Um, Podence. Remember Daniel Podence? Well, he was on the team that year for Moray Dance. When you look at Braga, you know, they had Orta. Um, they had uh, Pedro Santos. He was the captain of that team. He, of course, now plays for the Columbus crew, Arthur Georges. Zeca, who now plays in uh, France. Uh, Bittaglia, who, uh, who was, you know, he was on that Braga team. So that was uh, the last time that somebody outside of the big three in Braga won. That was in 2017, Moray Dance, and I remember that very well. And that was a big deal, by the way, uh, for uh, um, the Moray Dance fans. It's a small club. It's a very big deal with the trophy. I remember that year very well. And then Sporting won it in 18 and 19. Braga won it in uh, 2020. Um, and then uh, last season, of course, we saw Sporting uh, win it. Sporting's won three of the last four. Benfica is the all-time title holder with uh, seven titles. Sporting's next with three. Braga, two. Moreirense and Vitoria Setubal with one. And this will be the 15th edition of the Tasa the Liga Final Four. I saw some... I saw some ticket prices. I think they start at something like 10 euros, which, you know, that's another thing about Portuguese uh, prices, uh, much cheaper than the rest of Europe, much, much cheaper. I even saw Santa Clara. I saw an ad where Santa Clara was advertising for several hundred euros, uh, includes uh, the plane ticket and the hotel to try to get some fans from the Azores out to uh, Leiria. So uh, Tuesday... Uh, Benfica Boa Vista, uh, basically Verissimo against Petit, Camp Petit, who's got Boa Vista playing pretty well. And this is a competition that Boa Vista knows that if they're going to have any chance at a trophy this season, well, this is going to be pretty much it. Benfica, which I'll talk about in a few moments, you know, again, not doing very well, nine points behind in the Liga. And then, of course, on uh, Wednesday, Santa Clara, um, of course, um, you know, they already beat Sporting. Sporting, of course, wants to win another trophy and make it uh, four out of five years winning. Um, so obviously there's a little bit of a, a grudge match there for uh, Sporting to beat Santa Clara. But Santa Clara, like we said, already beat uh, you know Porto earlier this season to eliminate Porto from the Taça da Liga. So two very good matches. I don't know yet. Um, obviously this will be broadcast in Portugal. I don't think this is going to be broadcast on RTP International. Again, um, I'm not going to get into it again. Uh, I've already spoken about the fact that um, I totally respect the fact they want to make money, but they've got to make these games available outside of Portugal. Uh, put them on YouTube. Uh, throw a bunch of ads and sponsors on them. Um, I think um, you know it just I just better. But and again, I'm not I'm not going to get into it. But I just you know again that's just my opinion. It's a it's a pretty sore uh, subject for me that it. Uh, but hey, I'll listen to the relato and that won't be a uh, problem. Second division report. Um, best match this weekend is basically I think FC Porto B against Gazapia. Uh, a lot of people say, well, how come you're always talking about the big teams and picking the big team matches? Well, the truth is, when you look at the second division this weekend. This is the big match. You essentially have Porto in sixth place playing the second place team. Uh, FC Porto B, of course, won the, the second division Clásico a few weeks ago. Uh, Casapia, second place, ugly loss last week to Académico do Viseu. They'll be looking to bounce back. This is a very good second uh, division uh, match. Um, you've also got uh, Rio Ave hosting uh, Ferenc from Algarve. Rio Ave currently in uh, fourth place. Uh, you've also got a pretty good match with Ferenc from the Feira taking on uh, Mafra. 
Um, you've got Benfica B hosting Penafial in a battle of uh, first and seventh place teams. Uh, you've got Les Choins playing Chaves. Chaves, by the way, has only 26 points, but they have played two less matches because they've got some matches to make up because of some uh, COVID issues. Um, they are very much in the hunt. So second division, uh, you know, you look at it, you've got Benfica B, Casapia, Ferenc, Rio Ave, Nacional, FC Porto B, Penafial, Chaves, Estrela Amadora, and Mafra. They're separated between 36 and 26 points. But if you take away the two B teams, you essentially have eight teams battling to be in the top three where the top two get promoted and the third place team plays the 16th place team in the first division. So you got a very healthy competition at the top of the second division. And I think that's what's making it a very good league. I mean, again, Gazapia, 33 points, they played 18 matches. And then you look at someone like Shavs with 26 points, but they've only played 16 matches. You know, you look at someone like Mafra with 25 points, they've only played 17 matches. They still have one more match to go. So the second division, for all those that do follow it, has not been very disappointing this year. What continues to be disappointing is, of course, Varzim and Academic are all at the bottom with eight points each. Um, the next nearest team in 16th place is Fadence from Algarve with 14 points. So they are six points below the line. And obviously, they've got a lot of work to do. Again, I have a, a soft spot for Academica. Big city. They have one of the Euro 2004 stadiums. And right now, they are headed toward the third division if things don't change drastically very, very uh, soon. Uh, another team, by the way, that's close to my heart because I've got some family there is uh, Covilla. They uh, they were up 2-1 to one late in their most recent match, and then they drew 2-2. Very disappointing uh, result, but they were kind of in the hunt. But uh, basically, Benfica B leads the way with 36, followed by Casapia and Fadens uh, from uh, the Fado with 33 points each, and then Rio Ave in fourth with 30. And those are your top four teams. And again, best match this weekend, FC Porto B, Casapia on Sunday, Benfica B, Penafial on Sunday. Uh, I like the Le Chouin-Chaves match on Monday. That's a pretty good one as well. But again, uh, some of the second division matches, I think every once in a while they put them up on YouTube. So um, you got to go to uh, their websites to find out. It changes every week, but uh, you know, give it a, a bit of a look. Um, let's talk about my picks. Uh, last week, for like the seventh time, I think in the last nine weeks, I am like uh, two and two, uh, something like that. And uh, I was two and two again last week. Um, I predicted Sporting would beat Vizela. That's exactly what happened. I predicted that Porto would beat Bisad, and that's exactly what happened. I predicted that Benfica was going to beat Moreirens, and well, of course, you know the story. They didn't, so I lost that one. And I predicted that Benafial and Vila Frequence were going to finish in a 3-3 th uh, draw. Believe it or not, it was actually 4-3 was the score, but Benafial won. Uh, so as a result, that's how I finished 2-2 two -two last week. And again, if I even do 3-1 this week, I'll be very happy just to kind of break this uh, middle-of-the-pack streak that I've been on. This weekend, uh, I predict Sporting will beat Braga. I'm going to say 2-1. to one. Porto will beat Familia Kong at home. I'm going to say 3-0. More Dance will beat Santa Clara. And I'm going to say that they'll beat Santa Clara 3-1. to one. I think Santa Clara is going to be spending too much time thinking about their match on Wednesday in the Tasa de Liga with... Um, with sporting and then i've got i'm going to predict fc porto b and casapia will play to a one one draw and those are my uh, predictions uh, for the pick so again uh wrapping it up uh week 19 this weekend tasa de liga 
next middle of the week. Tasa de la Liga Final Four next Saturday. And then, of course, we'll have uh, week 20 next week on uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, second division, again, a lot of great matches this week. So a lot of good football this week. And um, pretty soon, coming up, I'll have to be here in a few minutes, part two of this episode. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Thank you for coming back. A lot to talk about here in my Fast and Furious uh, section. Uh, first off, I uh, saw a report today that FIFA is planning on limiting clubs to just six loans per season. And uh, apparently they're doing this because a lot of the EPL clubs, uh, I think they said something like City has nine players out on loan, and they're trying to make sure that these big clubs don't stockpile young players and then send them out on loan. And let me tell you, if this does happen, this would really be a bad thing for Portugal because a lot of the smaller clubs in Portugal you know, if you don't know in Portugal, you're not allowed to have more than three players on loan from any club in Portugal. And if you were to do that, that means that clubs uh, who sometimes rely on these big clubs to give them some of their younger players uh, would be forced to have to go into the market and really spend more money to get players. And a lot of the smaller clubs in Portugal are not in that position to spend that much more money. So this is probably something... Um, it won't be implemented right away, but it's definitely coming, I think, 2024 if it does get uh, ratified. But let's keep an eye on this because this would be a very bad thing. You know, a few years ago, they got rid of the third-party system, which a lot of people didn't like, but I don't think people realized how much it gave clubs like Porto Benfica and Sporting, but really Porto and Benfica, a lot of great players, a lot of great players that were able to come to Portugal with other people investing in the player. And then when it became just the Portuguese clubs and doing it on their own, uh, I've always said, and again, it's not like I have a th uh, numbers to back it up, but it just feels like today's Portuguese football is not as strong as it was, you know, like the year that Porto and Braga made it to the Europa final and we had Benfica making it to back-to-back -back Europa finals. I mean, those years, we had some great players in Portugal. And look at how many of them, especially the players from, like, Colombia, you know, and look at the players, some of the players from Brazil, where those players went to. I mean, it was amazing. But uh, back in the day, that system helped Portugal. And now, Portuguese clubs, it's no secret, they're going to do the best they can to get the best young players. And then, of course, some of them are going to be loaned out or sold. But I think this is not good for Portugal, so this is something that we're just going to have to uh, pay attention to in the uh, future because I think it is a, a bit of a uh, worry. Um, big three update, Benfica, of course, you know the story. They go into this weekend down nine points. And last weekend, last week, I basically said that, you know, Benfica, Rui Costa did an interview with BTV, talked about how he wants it to be hybrid, a lot of young players with a lot of veteran players. And that's what Benfica was going to be all about. But definitely giving the younger players a chance. Uh, we know Benfica tried to do that under Rui Vitoria. Then JJ came and kind of the philosophy changed because JJ feels a veteran team in the long run is better. But Benfica now is nine points behind. And, um, you know, how many more youth players are you going to use when you're doing it? Remember, even if, let's say, you don't win the Liga, which means you got to catch up to nine points, you also have to try to catch up to sporting because the top two teams automatically go to the Champions League groups next year. Um, so this is very important 
um, for Portugal, uh, for Benfica, because if Benfica doesn't, you know, finishes in third again, then they've got to go through the whole playoff system, which, you know, if you're a Benfica fan, means you're playing serious real football in early August, uh, especially if you want to go to Portugal in the summer and catch some real matches. On the other hand, do you really want your club playing those very important matches at the beginning of the season, uh, especially if you get knocked out like you did a few years ago? And we saw what happened when uh, Porto lost to that Russian club and you lose all that money? No. You want to make sure that you automatically go to the Champions League. So, you know, at some point, Benfica's got to stop worrying about trying to catch first place. They just better make sure that second place isn't out of reach. But, uh, it, again, I just wanted to press upon the point that last week Rui Costa talked about finding a way to get more youth players involved. But, you know, nine points, could you be down by even more points in the future? Is that going to be a good idea? And there's talk that Verissimo is going to get rid, uh, wants to reduce his squad to about 25, 26 players. You've got some players that came during the summer that were on the front pages of the newspaper covers, like Radonjic, who I think came from a club in um, uh, France, and he hasn't really panned out. I mean, he's been injured, but overall he hasn't really panned out. And, you know, the Portuguese press, whenever they, it's the same thing with the young players in Portugal. You know, every time there's somebody that's possible going to come and play in Portugal, the, it's a big deal. The newspaper covers, you know, they make a big deal out of it, but... A lot of times things don't work out. You know, for every Jonas, you know, there's a uh, Servi. Um, you know, there's uh, all these Zivkovic. I don't know, all these players that don't really do anything long-term for the club. But uh, interesting thing that Benfica's now nine points behind, and we'll see what their philosophy is the rest of the season. But believe me when I say, Verissimo, they need points. And I think you're going to start to see the veterans play because they just don't really have uh, much choice. Uh, Porto uh, continue to roll in the Liga, 46 matches without a loss. Uh, they're going to be losing a lot of players next week with Diaz and Uribe going to Colombia duty. Tereme made, uh, made up his differences with the Iranian manager, so he's going to be leaving. And um, so uh, uh, basically Porto is going to be relying on some of the younger players like Shiku and Fabio Vieira and Vitinha, which, by the way, have been doing tremendous. Have been doing absolutely tremendous. And I think it brings a lot of uh, confidence to Conceição that he still has uh, these players to step up. So, um, But Porto right now uh, going to be losing some players uh, in terms of the international break. Uh, but like I said, in South America, and I believe CONCACAF uh, too. Um, and Porto still linked with Ruben Semedo. I don't know what to make about his situation because he's just had a lot of bad press. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, that um, after the first thing, they stopped trusting him, and then they started trusting him again, and then there was another alleged incident, and um, it's just, uh, you know, it just unfortunately, it seems like trouble seems to find them. Even if he didn't commit the trouble, it just seems like these stories continue to find them. But reports are, if you believe the newspapers, and I know this was on a Nojugo cover, that Porto still believe in Ruben Semedo. So we'll see if that does uh, pan out. Uh, sporting, uh, big win last week. Pote broke his uh, drought. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, Sporting's back in the back in the hunt. And uh, things are going to get tough for Sporting. You know, Tasa the Liga next week. Can they repeat as Tasa the Liga champions? And uh, again, um, we're going to be having on February the 11th. Uh, this is not for the Tasa de Portugal. This is actually for the Liga. 
So essentially, uh, Porto and Sporting are going to be playing each other once in February, March, and April, in addition to the fact that they'll all be playing some European matches in domestic. So things are going to get pretty tough for those uh, two teams. But uh, Sporting right now cruising. And um, very interesting comment uh, Verandis made this week about former president Bruno de Carvalho. Uh, he's on a club called Big Brother in uh, Portugal, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Very popular in uh, Portugal. Um, and basically what they do is they take these celebrities. I believe Mario Jardel is the other soccer celebrity. And then they have uh, various other individuals that in one way or another are famous in uh, Portugal. But uh, Bruno Carvalho, because he's been on this show, has been the subject, I guess, of uh, you know a lot of uh, making fun, a lot of uh, ridicule. And Brandis came out and uh, basically said, "Hey, um, let's um, you know let's not uh, make fun of him. Let's not retweet any of the treat the tweets or whatever you're seeing on other social media platforms. Don't share it. He is a former president. <coughs> excuse me, uh, of Sporting, and let's respect the fact that he's the former president of uh, Sporting." And um, interestingly, um, that he would come out in defense of Bruno Di Carvalho because I, I, you know, that that was I think very nice. And let me tell you something about Bruno Di Carvalho. I know a lot of people don't like him, but uh, I read a lot of Portuguese books. I read JJ's book, Carlos Carvalho. Um, I've read the book that the Porto Press Officer wrote about Benfica. Um, I've written a lot of books in Portugal, and I've written them all. And I don't write them because of one club or one opinion. Um, I'm just trying to be objective and transparent here. But I did read the two books that Bruno Di Carvalho wrote. And, and um, what I found fascinating about these books is, uh, first off, the guy did do a lot to revive sporting. I'm not sure if he gets his proper credit. But if you're a sporting fan and you just want to read about behind-the-scenes stories about what it's like to be a president in Portugal, those two books were fantastic. The story he tells about you know, Marco Silva when he was manager, um, I mean, just amazing. Again, it's one-sided. You're hearing his point of view. But uh, if you could read Portuguese, uh, I can encourage you to read, especially his second book. Um, you know, when he came in as sporting president, he found out at the club that they were spending $20,000, 20, euros a month on coffee. And he went to the vending machine and told people they're going to have to start buying their coffee. Little ways like that that help solve money. Uh, save money because they were bleeding a lot of money when he came in. I think the, the word is that the club had like three months to live and he had a lot of very big decisions to make. And by the way, anytime someone comes in, this happens a lot in politics and you've got to come in and fix a big budget, you never leave very um, very uh, uh, po you know, popular. It's just the way it is. But I'm not here to defend them. Um, if uh, you want to know what it's like to be a president in Portugal, and again, it, you have to read the book and then you make up your mind which side you're going to take. Um, I really enjoyed reading that of what it was like to be a president in Portugal. Well, but Bruno Carvalho these days, um, you know, obviously he's not going to come back and be president because Brandis is just too successful right now. Um, although I know elections are coming up, I believe, on March the 5th, so he'll have to fight for that to stay president. But uh, some very interesting stuff. And again, I read the whole panorama across the board, the good and the bad stuff in uh, Portugal. And uh, there's some very interesting reading if uh, you're able to read uh, Portuguese. So I uh, wanted to pass that thought along. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't very happy being uh, subbed. Um, this is why Cristiano's Cristiano, because he wants to play 
Uh, but they apparently were saving him because, after all, he's getting a little bit older. And at that point in the game, they were up 2-0, two, 2-0, two and he wanted uh, the manager wanted to preserve that, and that's why they decided to change a player. But, uh, you know, things weren't uh, – he wasn't very happy, Cristiano. But, uh, you know, that's uh, – I think that just shows a lot about his uh, character. Nani, he's back, uh, he's back in Europe, and he's with uh, Venezia. Um, wants to taste the big time, so a very good choice for him to go to uh, Serie A. Jose Mourinho was linked with the Everton job, but he doesn't have any interest in going there. Uh, I don't know why people would think that. I mean, he's only been at Roma half a year. Why would they think he would leave Roma just to go to Everton? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I think Roma is a much bigger challenge right now. I understand the Premier League is the best league in the world, but he said he's staying. But I, I was very surprised that there was even talk about that. I just don't see him really leaving. And by the way, he made a very a good remark about Sergio Oliveira saying that he wanted more players like Sergio Oliveira that play f to play for Roma, that that's what the club needs. So a very good compliment to Sergio Oliveira. And Sergio scored a PK goal in his debut. Um, he's got a lot of work to do to try to get uh, Roma to convince them to uh, you know buy him out at the end. So we'll see if that uh, does in fact uh, happen. Uh, Marco Silva has Fulham last four matches scoring a lot of goals so he seems to be having a lot of success and uh, again if you read that Bruno Di Carvalho book you'll learn some very interesting things uh, it's up to you to decide who's right or who's wrong but uh, it certainly gave me a different perspective on Marco Silva but Marco Silva deserves a lot of respect for what he's doing at Fulham right now he is really cruising and I mean absolutely uh, cruising uh, doing well and Jota Still in the news with uh, Celtic. Uh, you know what's amazing about Celtic is I grew up with a friend of mine who was a big Celtic fan, and um, he always used to walk around at least once a week with a Celtic jersey. Um, and um, I never really paid attention. You know, to me, whenever he said Celtic, I thought he was talking about the basketball team. Um, after a few years, I would annoy him by saying, "What you're talking about, Boston?" And uh, because he was such a diehard fan and. Um, he would go to a pub near where he lives to watch the games. But one thing I got to tell you about Celtic or Scottish fans is they are, like the Turkish, very, very loyal to their teams and they are very hungry for information. But I got to tell you, man, over the years, you know, when we remember when the Rangers strikers Morelos was linked with Porto and now you got Jota with uh, Celtic. But the amount of stories that people write. You know, about the littlest things that is reported in Portugal and the way they make a big deal about it. It is the one country that truly blows everything out of proportion where I think a reporter this week in Portugal said that he didn't think that Benfica would sell Jota. I think it's for the buyout is something like seven and a half million. And that's the guy's opinion. But I believe that's what's in the contract. Um, again, we don't know what's in the contract. But again, we got to go by the news reports. But it was amazing how a lot of different media wrote about it. And we're talking about a lot of fan media, and we're talking about the regular media. But fascinating uh, being a Scottish fan because they are very loyal. And it's amazing that Scottish football, for the amount of passion that they have, that they're not more successful in Europe. Um, I mean, I know their national team has, has had a few good years, but they used to be a bigger national team 20 years ago. Um, Rangers and Celtic have a big history in Europe. They really do. But obviously, we know Rangers, uh, you know, went into bankruptcy and they went down and had to come back all the way up from the districts. Uh, Celtic has dominated for many years, but I don't think either one of those clubs has made a big run in Europe. I think the last time they made a big run in Europe, I might be wrong, but I think it was the year 
when Celtic beat Boavista in the what uh, you know that we call it Europa now. Back then it was the UEFA Cup Final Four, and they beat uh, Celtic in the um, semifinals. And then Celtic, of course, if you remember, played Porto and Jose Mourinho in Seville, and that was when uh, Porto uh, won. And um, but uh, I, I don't know if you know any of these uh, Scottish teams have ever made a big run. But uh, the point is, is the amount of stuff that's written about the most smallest thing said in Portugal. I mean, you know, I didn't see it with Bruno Fernandes. Usually it was just recycled information, but they take their stuff seriously in Scotland. And if you're Scottish, my hat to you, I tip my hat to you for your incredible passion. But man, the way you blow things out of proportion sometimes, holy cow, that's just an opinion I have. Uh, folks, I'm gonna wrap it up here talking about the club that I always talk about, my favorite club in Portugal, and that is the Atlético do Jarcos. Big win last week, winning 2-1. to one. They are in a first-place tie in their promotion group in the districts with Valenciano with nine points. Cerveira is uh, third with five points. Now, this weekend, Arcos, Atlético do Jarcos were supposed to play Cerveira, and uh, that would have been a very interesting match because uh, Porto with nine, Cerveira with five, so a win by Atlético could have really gone a long way to bury uh, surveyed a lot of the top two, but uh, uh, I was looking forward to uh, you know listening to a little bit of Rolando before I got some things to do on Sunday morning, but I just saw that the match got postponed, and I don't really know why, um, so I'm not going to speculate. But you know, chances are it might be like other reasons why matches uh, get postponed. But um, so a little disappointed to see that that match is postponed because one of the toughest things to do is to have to make up a bunch of matches in a short period of time. Sometimes that works against you, especially when you know you're a candidate to try to get out of the districts and maybe move up into the next uh, division. So, uh, good. Uh, no, again, no matches this weekend, but let's hope everybody, obviously, most importantly, is doing okay with uh, both uh, teams. Uh, folks, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, looking forward to the Tasa de Liga. Can Santa Clara and Boa Vista make history? Uh, we will find out uh, if they can. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what they're going to be able to, to do. Uh, will Benfica and Sporting win, as most people expect them to? And will we have a derby next Saturday? So we got a lot to talk about uh, next week. And again, um, thank you for listening. Again, Spotify, iTunes, um, you know, Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Podcast Breaker, Podcast Attic. It's on so many different things. Uh, continue to uh, spread the word. And again, I'm going to tell you, not from my heart, but from my mind, I'm going to say it like it is. I'm going to be transparent. You're not going to like what I say sometimes, but at least you know that I'm not trying to BS you. Uh, folks, please take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Enjoy the uh, weekend uh, action. Enjoy the action in the middle of next week. And I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody. Mm -hmm.